Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs are trading the players you least expected home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Leave us a five-star review and a rating if you like the show so other people can find it too. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs. I write about them trading Scott Efros, of all people, and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. Danny, how are you doing on this uh, Tuesday morning of the trade deadline? Well, I'm packing my bags because unfortunately I have been traded to the Reds for a podcaster to be named later. Uh, I don't know who will be doing the show with you in the future, but, uh, you know, Godspeed, everybody. It's been fun being a Cubs fan, but hey, I'm moving on to greener pastures where they actually make trades (laughs) that are impactful for their organization, unlike the Cubs. Um, But who knows? I mean, I've I've been pretty underwhelmed, so I'm feeling underwhelmed. How are you? I'm a little underwhelmed too. Danny's not really going anywhere, people. He's not leaving <laughs> us. Uh, I am, however, going with Wilson Contreras. Basically, this podcast is no longer going to be a Cubs podcast after this. We're just going to talk about baseball. No, I'm just kidding. Sure. We might talk about more baseball. Who knows? Like the this Cubs team is going to be tremendously uninteresting by the end of the day. Yeah, the, I mean, maybe. Well, the team will definitely have fewer major league players on it. That's for sure. Yeah. Which, um, if, if, so if you're if you're one of those people that just you know love the minor leagues and watching grainy film from the center field camera of prospects, then by all means you'll be very excited about tomorrow. We should talk about the prospect hoarders, as I call them at the moment. Uh, the 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 Hoyer stands, the prospect palooza crowd that keeps coming into <laughs> my mention to explain all the reasons I should be so thrilled about the last couple of trade deadlines. And look, I get it. Like you all, I, I, well, actually I don't get it. I see no reason why adult human beings have to be like this. I can't even use the words I want to use. Cause I want to use swear words. Like I, you should not be this deferential to Jed Hoyer people. Like he, he's a grown man. You giving him props on the internet does not get you closer to like, the front office of the Cubs. It doesn't make you smarter or anything else. He doesn't care at all. But but it is wild to me the number of people who are all precious about like at the Cubs farm system and the Alcantara trade or like the Canario trade or whatever. I'm like, these kids are in high A ball. We may never see them play. Do you remember Junior Lake? Because I remember Junior Lake. And Junior Lake is nowhere near Major League Baseball. <laughs> well, even the guy that we got who is uh, ready for Major League Baseball, apparently, Zach McKinstry, uh, he's never really performed at the Major League level. He's performed quite well in the minors, but you just don't know what you're going to get until they're up and performing at the Major League level. I think uh, Evan Altman made a good point on Twitter the other day where everybody was excited about the Efros uh, trade. And, uh, oh, we're getting a starter for a reliever. And Evan's like, okay, great. That makes sense. Sure. On paper, that all makes sense. He's like, but Scott Efros is good in in the major leagues now. And this other guy's never been good in the major leagues. So just so you know, he might not be great. You know, he might be a number seven starter who kind of is just some depth or he could overperform and pitch lab, you know, works wonders with the guy, but we just don't have that information yet so uh yeah the the (laughs) prospect perverts is what i saw them also called (laughs) prospect on twitter which i enjoyed very much and so uh (laughs) 
So, uh, but it's Prospect Palooza. I think I could use that too. That's 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 rich. So, but it's it's sure. I mean, these are all, these are major league ball players, and you know, like when my mom's like, "Well, I never heard of that guy," and I always make the point of, "Well, you never heard of Jake Arrieta either before you heard of him." So it, that is also true. So uh, you know, it goes both ways, but it, they're not all gonna hit. <laughs> Just wow. so you know. Indeed, they're not all going to hit, and a lot of things can go wrong. I mean, it was like three years ago that Miguel Amaya was on all of these top 100 lists, and now he's nowhere to be seen there. And look, he's taking a bats again, and that's good. And if he catches a single game for the Chicago Cubs in the future, it's going to be in like 2023-2024. And I mean late 2023-2024. Like he's got to build himself all the way back up after Tommy John surgery. So people just need to temper their expectations a bit. I'm going to go a little out of order here. We're going to start with the trade deadline, because that's what Danny and I are talking about anyway and, and that's what you all want to talk about I mean we'll talk about these Giants games we'll preview this Cardinals series but let's just jump right into the trade deadline stuff so Chris Martin made his last start with the Chicago Cubs on Thursday night Friday night whatever night the Cubs were playing the Giants and lost and then promptly was traded to the Dodgers for Zach McKinstry I, I gotta admit I like this trade I mean Martin wasn't gonna stay with the Cubs and he, the Dodgers could use a bullpen guy I didn't think Martin was that good I thought his home run but to fly ball rate was like kind of concerning. It was well over 20%. And I was just like, yikes, that's a red flag. So the fact that the Cubs got a guy who might be a serviceable major leaguer and who can at least play some baseball while they try to figure out what they're going to do to make the next great Cubs team at the major league level seems, seems reasonable to me, but make no mistake. Zach McKinstry is like the guy that's on your bench to fill in for guys on a regular team, even if he might be a starter on what the remnants of the Cubs team. Yeah, he's unfortunately a starter on this team. Um, the what what I'm I like what David Ross said, which was basically, "We'll see. Give him a chance to come here and get some at bats, and we'll see how it plays out." That's literally his quote. <laughs> I mean, so he, he he's about no. He said, "We'll see" twice in the same sentence, and so he's not. I mean. He's, I mean, I, I wouldn't call that, you know, glowing praise of just like, I'm really excited to see what this kid could do. <laughs> like, that's not what he said. So, um, yeah, he's never put it together at the major league level. Um, he's had a few chances, not a whole lot of chances. He's on the Dodgers, so not, uh, you know, they don't, he's on the Dodgers, so he's kind of blocked like everywhere, probably. He's a utility guy, this Zach McKintree guy, but, it, He's he never has um, put it together at the major league level. But if you look in the minors, he's done okay. I mean, in 2019, he hit um, let's see, 19 home runs. So 12 of them, 12 of them at Double A. Um, he's 27, so that's really like kind of old for a for a prospect. It feels like a like a four A guy to me. I don't know. Nobody's nobody. I didn't see anybody. Being like, oh my God, Zach McKinstry, like bring him, you know, put him down and, uh, you know, give him to the the hit lab. And we'll, and I know that they could just change his swing and, and everything will be great. I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I am with you on that. It's, it's not the most exciting, uh, dude in the world but it is a dude who will play some baseball for the Chicago Cubs the big move the one that caught me totally by surprise is the Scott Efros to the Yankees trade I was fairly certain 
that Scott Efros was the closer of the future for the Chicago Cubs. Um, and instead, he's headed to the Yankees for Hayden Wisniewski. Well, God, I'm never going to be able to say this name. Hayden Wisniewski. Uh, Hayden Wisniewski is a potential number four, number five starter. So it kind of looks like the Cubs swapped a 28-year-old possible future closer for a 24-year-old possible back-end starter. I mean, on paper, I like that idea a lot. That's a great idea, as you were saying, Evan said as well. I think that on paper, the trade totally works. The question is, will Mr. Wisniewski ever make it to the majors? Yeah. I mean, I I was told last night that uh, the reason he was the number seven prospect, which made all the headlines for the Cubs, is because the Yankees uh, traded a bunch of people and then he went from 20 to seven in their system. So there's lots of reasons people end up the number seven prospects. Um, and I mean, this guy throws in the mid nineties. They, I read that he has a Frisbee slider. No, I mean, we see what the Cubs have done with kind of your number three, number four dudes so far when you get uh, your Keegan Thompson's and your Justin Steele's and uh, even Adrian Sampson for that matter, who just kind of came out of nowhere. That's this, Oh, Adrian Sampson's 30. This kid's 24 right now. So we'll see what he has. You put him down there with Caleb Killian and like then even the younger guys that are about to head through the system a little bit more year by year, like your DJ Hertz is and you you're piecing together something for the future. And at least you get starting pitching depth out of this deal. Whereas yeah, F Ross, the thing about it is it's like, if you look at it with just innings pitched, so let's say F Ross can give you five innings pitched a week, somewhere around there, four or five innings. That's pretty much what a number five starter gives you these days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it kind of is all things equal. Um, yeah. and, I mean, it's true. The way the Cubs, I mean, look, I mean, I don't know what the average start of of a Cubs starter this year is, but when you look at most teams, when you get to the back end of their bullpen, you're just hoping for five innings tops to get you to just through it. And I'm just saying it's like – I mean, F. Ross, he was performing at the major league level. And he had, I mean, the Yankees went right after him. And did you see all the love F. Ross got as soon as he got traded? Like, the Yankees press was going nuts about this. Even MLB. Like, I never even heard MLB mention Scott F. Ross one time. The entire time he was on the Cubs. He gets traded to the Yankees, and all of a sudden, he is like a top-line bullpen arm, and the Yankees just won the World Series because they got Efros. Like, that's okay. literally what happened. couple of things here. I I agree with you that Efros got a ton of love on ESPN and MLB Network and all those places, and frankly, he deserves it. Like, he lo- he's looked really, really good since he came into his bullpen role this year. I've watched him pitch a couple of times. I've done that thing where you like move behind home plate surreptitiously to like, just watch Efros pitch just to see like what the stuff looks like. And it looks nasty. I mean, that sidearm delivery that he learned from Steve Ciszek that he kind of perfected down in the minors looks great. Um, If I was the Yankees, I'd be pretty excited about him too. But a couple of things, one starters still give you more innings. So like Wisniewski has thrown, uh, like, I think I set the career high for him was in 2021. It was 130.1 innings in the minor leagues across three different levels. But even if you're just comparing like a back end starter to a bullpen guy, Scott Efros has thrown 
44 innings this year. Keegan Thompson, by comparison, has thrown 88 and a third. Like, I think, like, you're getting double the number of innings from a good starter that you're getting from a bullpen guy. And, and I, I admit that, like, we I'm don't not- know that yet. Well, we don't know that he's this is a major league pitcher. That's you know, but yeah, the, you get the, no. the but we know we went from high A ball to triple A in the Yankee system in a year, and we know that his numbers at double A were like incredible. So you're right, we don't know. But I think that I I can see why you trade a 28-year-old reliever. Relievers are like notoriously fickle and like one movement away from being bad. Absolutely. When they're good, right? Like, you know, you've got like, I'm thinking back to guys like Justin Wilson, who were only ever lights out or terrible. And Justin Wilson was a very good reliever. He was a very good reliever for the Cubs and for the Yankees. Like, Scott Efros is like, you know, if, if he is great for five years, that's amazing. And also, if he winds up having Tommy John surgery in a year, like Chad Green or something, like, that's also the path that a lot of relievers take. Yeah. You think this is a smart move for the Cubs? What I don't like about it is that Scott Efros is a guy who had five years of team control remaining. And this is like a move that the Pirates make, right? Like the Pirates do this thing where they're constantly looking to upgrade for the future and they're basically just a farm system for the Yankees. And I was told that the Cubs were trying to win in the short term. And this doesn't really look like that to me. This looks like a perpetual rebuild, which is why I was so upset about it when I first saw it yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I can't say I'm upset about it. I mean, what I, I do like the move. Like, I think it does make sense for all the reasons you just articulated. Um, But yeah, it's, it reminds me, imagine, okay. So the Cubs get uh, Pedro Strope in 2014, I believe. Is, is or was it 2013 that that move was? I forget. Whenever they get Ariad and Strope, so let's say the Cubs are like, okay, I don't need Pedro Strope. He's let's ship him out, with, you know, for some, for, you know, AAA pitcher guy that may or may not make it. So that's kind of the equivalent of of what could have just happened because Efros did look like he was developing into that late inning possible closer arm. He's got the funky delivery and all that stuff. And, you know, and he's also a, somebody you've had. So once you have them, you have them. And then when you let them go, they're just gone. So, I mean, you know, I know that's an obvious thing, but people like kind of forget that sometimes it's just like, they're like, Oh, we'll resign Contreras in the off season. It's like, that's not really how that usually goes, you know? So if, you know, F Ross is gone. He's going to be on the Yankees forever. And maybe he turns into this like shut down back into the bullpen guy. And maybe this dude becomes a number five fringy starter. I mean, you don't have a lot of high upside with Hayden Wesneski. It's just kind of one of those, what, what do they call it? A uh, high floor guys, maybe without a lot of risk, maybe. And so. So I guess, I mean, that's fine, but it seems like we have a lot of those guys and maybe they're just kind of seeing what, uh, what pans out and we've seen it work well this year, uh, with some of the surprise arms that have come out of the cub system and maybe that's just right. And I should shut up and let them do their jobs. But I, but it, to me, it's like the equivalent of maybe trading your future stroke. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen, but it might've just happened. And we'll see how it all plays out because it's not, it's also doesn't seem like a really 
it's not a, I'm underwhelmed too. Like we're just talking about this because it's all that's happened yet. We would not even be giving this a mention if Wilson Contreras had already been traded or Ian Happ was gone. We, well, we this would, this would be the, the buried down into, we wouldn't have talked about it yet. We'd still be talking about Wilson and we'd both be crying and, and well, you know. That's coming, Danny. I, I'm preparing myself for that for later, but let's talk about why Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ haven't moved yet because I would like to, once again, thank the Washington Nationals for throwing a serious wrench in the Cubs trade deadline plans by failing to negotiate an extension with their superstar Juan Soto. If you recall last year, the Nationals also kind of like stole the show at the trade deadline by having Scherzer and Turner packaged together. Ooh, shiny. Uh, and the Cubs core became like the secondary questions here. The same thing has happened this year. Where, honestly, I think the only reason that Contreras and Hap haven't been moved is because the Padres are still in the hunt for Juan Soto, and the Padres can't make a deal for Contreras and Hap with, unless they get turned down on the Soto front. Like, those prospects either go to the Nationals or they go to the Cubs, and so the Cubs are in waiting period. Like, they're just basically in, on hold while the Padres keep talking to the Nationals, and the only other suitor really left for uh Contreras's services in particular are the Mets and god the Mets are driving me nuts and I, I was talking to Allison uh McCaig who uh, was on the show when the Cubs played the Mets and writes over at Amazing Avenue hosts of a pot of their own she's totally great but she was saying that you know this thing that they're doing in the New York press where they're like oh we can't part with Mark Vientos he's so great like what are we gonna do if they ask us for Mark Vientos how would we can't get Pete Crow Armstrong again by the Cubs and they might take Vientos is totally nuts PR just out there trying to win the trade in the press before the trade even happens and it is freaking exhausting the New York media honestly sounds like the worst I never want to cover a New York team I never want to live in New York City Chicago is good enough you people like I'm happy here it's great the baseball is good and the coverage is real and I am just like this fake PR train that the Mets are doing is super exhausting so I I don't know man unless this Soto thing gets cleared up quickly and I also just want to say the universe is evil because basically the way that for the Cubs to get the best possible return for Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ, the Cardinals or Dodgers would have to win the Juan Soto sweepstakes, thereby clearing up the Padres to trade with the Cubs. I can't be in a world where I am rooting for the Cardinals or Dodgers to get Juan Soto because that sucks for literally everyone and baseball would be almost unwatchable. So thank you, Universe, for creating a Catch-22 that has made it impossible for me to love this sport and also for the Cubs to get a decent return for my favorite player. I hate it here. I mean, blame blame the Cubs themselves because at, at this point, you know, you Ricketts set a payroll of 150 or lower and because it never went higher than that. And uh, they decided to rebuild this team starting last year or, or even starting before. Well, no, last year when you, when you Darvis was traded, was just kind of like the signal. Even when Theo was just like, I'm out of here. They're tearing this thing down. I'm going, I'm not doing this. This is a dumb way to operate. I'm quitting. I'm not even going to do my last year. Um, you know, when all that's, that's who I blame because we shouldn't be in this position right now. Like people are taking this for a given that it had to go down like this, that the contracts were going to expire and all these guys were going to be shipped out. And even though it might've been the right decision in some cases, you know, it didn't have to be like this and other teams aren't going through this right now. And, you know, like you said, all the, the prospect Palooza boys are like running around, like, you know, 
with their hair on fire, having the best time in the world when, you know, right. Great. Have fun watching your center field Myrtle beach camera, because that's where the good players are going to be. And maybe they get to the majors and maybe they get injured and never, we never see them. Like we don't know, but all I know is that the Chicago Cubs have chosen not to compete and come in last place this year. And that is a, thing that none of us deserve as fans and so like even though i'm looking around being like oh the cardinals are on Juan Soto, that would really suck it's like yeah do you know what even sucks worse is that the cubs aren't in on juan soto and we're not competing for anything this year and we're not in on any of these big players and we weren't in on correa and we weren't because rickett says we're gonna lose the sixth pick in the second round and i'm like who cares and, uh, you know, so I'm just mad overall because, like, if I zoom out a little bit, I don't really care where anybody goes because they're not coming to the Cubs, and that's annoying. And anybody that is coming to the Cubs, I'm not even going to see for two years. And, you know, by that point, I might not even be interested in this damn team anymore because it's ridiculous what's going on. And I, it's hard to support. And it, the wind is out of my sails on this. And, uh, you know... I'm, I'm mad that we're not in on this. Remember how much fun it is w- was the other trade deadlines when we were in? Oh, yeah. The trade deadlines when you thought you were building it, they're, they're great. I mean, I want to go back to what you were saying, though, about the Cubs just like sitting out the Juan Soto sweepstakes. Because I, I honestly like the fact that every team in the league is not in on Juan Soto, whether you're rebuilding or not, is just absurd to me. And I I was thinking about this the other day. And it's, it's kind of a half-baked thought. So, you know, I haven't really tested this one out much. But like I earlier this week, you had rumors of Juan Soto being available. And then you had rumors of the Angels thinking like, oh, we should see what we can get for Shohei Otani. And you still only had like two or three teams, like a handful of teams that would be interested in the services of Juan Soto or Shohei Otani. How broken is baseball at the moment that two players who are like generational talents, Juan Soto is 23-year-old Ted Williams people without the risk of like losing all of his peak years in a war. Like I don't know how you aren't in on Juan Soto. I was having this conversation with Paul Sporer from Rotographs on Twitter last night, because he he's like, I don't know, man, the Cardinals, they're like real worried about giving up Dylan Carlson. I'm like, give up Dylan Carlson, give up Nolan Gorman, give up Jordan Walker, give up Mason Wynn. Like, come on. It is proven commodity, 23-year-old Ted Williams. You give up all four of those guys, you do not blink, and maybe the Nationals still want more, and you pay it. Like, that is how this trade should work. And you do it without worrying about it, because frankly, Juan Soto is 10 times the player any of those four players will ever be. And I just, and you know, people like have these, he's like showing me these graphs. He's like, well, this is what the trade value would be. And it, it would be, that would be real hard for the Cardinals. I'm like, I don't care about your trade value chart. Juan Soto breaks the like trade value chart, right? Like what a player like this is never available. There's no trade in baseball history to like look back on and be like, oh, comparatively, what, what would have been done? Because no team would ever have done this. Like this, it's just not a it's not a thing that you can even baseline as a thing that has happened in history and the idea that the nationals would be like shopping soto for real and the angels would seriously seriously consider shopping otani and the entire league wouldn't jump with all of the prospects that they could and only like the dodgers yankees and cardinals are interested it's just i can't danny i hate it here like baseball baseball the economics of baseball are broken 
Yeah. Well, yeah. And especially like for a big market team like the Cubs not to be even in this conversation. I mean, just they only in like a blog clicky way was he in the conversation at all, because even the fans are carrying water for not going after him because it doesn't make any sense to like, no, we got to, you know, the prospect pervs. They're like, we got to keep Caleb Killian. And it's like, no, we don't. Not if we get this guy. We'll sign a different guy. We, you know, there's, we don't know what this, let's trade all, trade them all those dudes. Like, you know, I agree. Um, you know, it, it, man, it's just, yeah, it's a shame. And who knows, maybe, It'll probably come down to the wire. I think everybody's expecting the deals to go down, but I'm thinking like, what is it, four o'clock today that it ends central time? Yes. Although a note of caution there, deals have to be into the league by four o'clock. They trickle out to fans for about 30 minutes after. I actually wrote a piece last week. It's like a media literacy for the trade deadline piece, all your tips and tricks to make sure you don't spread disinformation or fall for fake Ken Rosenthal or whatever. Um, You should check it out. But I, I say that because one of the vignettes that I shared in that piece was the time that I totally botched the trade deadline by like, I, I wrote a piece to light the Cubs on fire for not going big at the trade deadline and adding like David Phelps and like a bunch of like little minor pieces that were tinkering at the margins. And I had it ready to go like the second the trade deadline ended. And so I think it was published by like 405 or something like that. And honest to God, like eight minutes later, they announced they had traded for Nick Castellanos and I had to <laughs> and like go write the Nick Castellanos analysis. And it was so always give yourselves a 30 minute buffer before you think the deals are done, done, done. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, – those were fun trade. Remember when we got Nick Castellanos? That was a lot of fun. Yeah, see, now we're not going to get – we are not. We don't get that stuff now. Now it's all just like crying and saying goodbye to our favorite players for no reason. Well, oh, I know the reason. They, they didn't uh, manage to have any conversations with Wilson Contreras after 2017, and apparently they haven't had any conversations with Happ, and every team wants him, so he's as good as gone to. So everybody, you know, wave your cap, you know, tip of the hat to the guys that used to play for us because they don't play for us anymore. Like, it's just – I am i don't know how I'm going to get through the, the last two months of the season. I will be honest. Like, this is pathetic to me. I've never felt – so low as a Cubs fan at this point, because I do not see a direction for this team right now. And I know there is one eventually that will become emergent because these are great baseball players playing baseball at a professional level in the minor leagues. And some of them are going to be very good, but they're not even close to here yet. So I'm just going to, I mean, I don't know, I guess I'll take a couple years off and I'll be one of those fair weather fans. <laughs> uh, I'll watch the condensed games and come on here with you, Sarah, and complain about the Cubs losing because we're going to see a lot of it. This is going to be 100 games easily for the next, at least this year, they'll lose 100. Uh, and next year, they might lose 100 again because apparently this is just how we do th- things in Chicago. We make everything suck before maybe being good again. And if you and if you look at some of the other teams, you see how hard, look at the White Sox. People had all but ordained them to run away with the Central. Oh, they got all these pieces. Well, no, they didn't. It wasn't good enough. And they might not even make the playoffs now. So it's hard to win once you get there, even if you got the guys. And so did you see the trade of freaking Jose Quintana to the Cardinals? We're, we're going to talk about that trade on the flip side. We are also going to talk about the Brewers trading Josh Hader to the Padres, oh my God. which I think is probably the most interesting trade that has happened so far. And frankly, like made me a little jealous as a Cubs fan, because there's a lot of smart in that trade and a lot, but like the Cubs just don't do. Um, 
But we are up against needing a break. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, sponsors who maybe can support Danny and I while while we wait for the next great Cubs team to, to show itself in 2027 or 2028. But first, a quick break. All right, we are back. So the Cubs are in a holding pattern because of the Juan Soto sweepstakes, but a lot of other teams are not in a holding pattern. Let's start let's start with this Brewers trade actually and then then we'll go to the Quintana Cardinals stuff. But like the so I th- I was stunned by this. I did not expect the Brewers to trade Josh Hader. Although in retrospect, Hader's been kind of scuffling a bit. He has not been the lights out dude that he was right before the you know, the last couple, the last month or so, he's been giving up runs in a way that Josh Hader doesn't really. And the Brewers are a small market team. So the Brewers cannot just go out and like buy it by their way into a championship window. They do need to be smart about their assets. Hader uh, is a free agent in 2023. And so they decided to trade him to the Padres. They get the Padres closer, Taylor Rogers in return. Rogers has also been scuffling a bit. Uh, they get to Nelson Lamette who was recently like kind of a high cachet pitching prospect, but has struggled a bit. And they get this kid, Estuary Ruiz, who is kind of like a speedy, I don't know, man. Like he doesn't hit the ball very hard. I think his hard hit rate is like 18% or something, which is remarkably low even for like just a speedy outfield type guy. But I trust the Brewers on pitching more than I trust the Padres, man. I kind of feel like the Padres probably got fleeced here and the Brewers – managed to get something for Josh Hader. Devin Williams can certainly close. Danny, what did you think of this Brewers deal? It didn't. I have no idea why the Padres did it. Makes no sense. They're, they're a playoff team just as much as the Brewers are in that postseason tournament they're playing now. And I've just, it, it's just, it's baffling to me why they would, why they would swap closers and give up prospects and a starting pitcher. Like what? You're literally a wild card team right now. And I mean, I guess, I don't know. It's it's baffling. Why would you do this? I mean, and uh, Josh Hader, I mean, maybe you think you're getting this top line closer, but like, this is the dude that, I mean, the Cubs just figured him out. If you saw it at the beginning of the month, he had a terrible July. And then um, that's who you like go after. Who's like the dude that's going to solidify you winning a bunch of games against the Dodgers, like I do not understand what why they did this. It makes no sense. It's 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 almost like the Brewers. It's almost like one of those Cardinals deal where like the Cardinals are or they're like, hey Rockies, give us Nolan Arenado and a bunch of money and and we'll give you nothing and you just take this. Guy. I mean, that's I'm like, what is happening? Like this is why we got to get rid of the antitrust because these dudes are doing deals behind the 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 backs of people that they don't make any sense. Yeah. I I mean, I, well, the deal makes a great deal of sense from the brewer's perspective. Well, yeah, well, that's what I mean. (laughs) But it it makes no sense for the, from the, I mean, zero sense from the Padres perspective. None. I I don't know why they would do it. Why did they do it? They got rid of their closer. Who's pretty good to get another closer. Who's been scuffling. Like I don't, and plus give a empty your farm. Like do not understand. I heard Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper on Rates and Barrels yesterday talking about this deal a little bit. And Eno mentioned that Taylor Rogers has been scuffling a bit because he um, had take his slide, he had taken his slider and made it a sweeper basically, and he couldn't control it very well. So he was hitting a bunch of guys and kind of giving up more walks than normal and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and so I think from the Padres perspective, part of what's going on here 
is they had a broken closer and the brewers have a partially broken closer. And so perhaps that is the thing that they're both trying to fix. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I got, I got nothing there. Tell, tell me more about, so did the Cardinals actually get Jose Quintana? I saw that there were rumblings last night and I just kind of, I put, I chalked that up to ah, karma, karma. The Cardinals of course are going to win a world series with Jose Quintana, who they will get for nothing after the Cubs gave up Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease for the same dude. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It is official. The Cardinals did acquire Jose Quintana from the Pirates. Uh, St. Louis also got reliever Chris Stratton as part of the deal. Oh, and they and yeah, and they traded back Johan Oviedo and Malcolm Nunez. Isn't Johan Oviedo the dude who has like 20 games started and no wins? I'm looking it up. I'm looking. He might have a win now, but when he pitched against the Cubs earlier this year, he had like he was starting his 20th game or something with the Cardinals, and he had never gotten a win. And admittedly, like the win is a dumb stat, and that's not his fault. But also, like that's kind of incredible. Well, he he only started one game this year, so I don't think it was him. But it it, maybe it's a different Oviedo. But uh, yeah, the the um, he looks like he mostly was used in relief this year. And uh, when I'm looking at Johan's game logs here, he last pitched on July 30th. Uh, yeah, he's just been used as a reliever, one innings. He, he, he actually, Johan Oviedo, um, he started against the Cubs in his yeah, first game of the, the year. Guy. No, this is the guy. If you look at back at his 2021, he started 13 games in 2021 oh, he- <laughs> and he started five in 2020. And he did not get a win in any of those games. Now, he might oh, have wow. no decisions or losses or whatever. But so he has started 19 games as a major league professional pitcher and never gotten a win. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I'm looking at his win-loss. It was 0-3 and, and then 0-5. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. It just never got the win. Okay. He's like the anti-John Baker. Yeah, he he started John eighteen Baker games. Has more wins. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. He well, he did until then. I look. He looks like he's got a win now. So he's two. He's got two career wins in uh, thirty three games. But oh, I mean, but not all started. They turned him into a. Uh, they turned him reliever. into a reliever. Yeah, like he yeah. he got the, he vultured those wins as a reliever. I was going to say since he's going to the Pirates and our friend John Baker is at the Pirates is with the Pirates now, perhaps John Baker can teach him a thing or two about getting wins. <laughs> getting wins, yeah. He knows how to do it. You know, just score the damn run yourself. That's um, what John did. And happy John Baker Day, everybody! That just passed the twenty yeah. ninth. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to go back to the days where we look to celebrate things like John Baker Day because there's not a lot else to celebrate uh, at Wrigley Field these days. I mean, I, we're not really gonna spend a bunch of time on this Giant series. I don't know what to tell you. Um, the Cubs lost. We lost. Yeah. They won one. Uh, Patrick Wisdom hit a home run. That was fun. Um, hit two of them, didn't he? Didn't he hit two? Yeah. Justin. I mean, the most remarkable thing that happened during the series, to my eyes, was Justin Steele managing to uh, lose a game without giving up an earned run. So he was the losing pitcher, but there weren't like all four runs in this game were unearned. So it was like you lost, but you didn't really like really your defense just let you down. Sorry, kid. 
Well, Patrick Wisdom <laughs> dropped that ball. I mean, his defense was a little shoddy in this series. Uh, the Cubs' defense just is overall pretty clunky. Uh, once again, the caught stealings, picked off. Um, yeah, just all, all your regular 2022 Cubs hits. <laughs> you know, they were doing them all. They they played all their hits <laughs> in this giant series. Bad defense, crappy base running. You know, going on contact from third, no matter what, like they did it all and they lost and they got shut out. And you want to know a funny uh, stat that I looked up about the Cubs getting shut out on Sunday is that they are tied with the Reds for the least amount of getting shut out. The game's getting shut out in the central. So uh, the team that's been shut out the most times in the central is the Cardinals at 11 times. The Cubs have only been shut out five times this year. Because our, our offense isn't that bad. Uh, it's just um, not good enough. And um, anyway, the team, it's just kind of surprising. It that wasn't we'd... that bad. <laughs> give, give, well, it a, give it a day, Danny. It's about to get real bad. <laughs> oh, give it a, an hour. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know who's playing tonight. Um, we'll see. I don't even know if they're going to have enough players to play. They might just have to forfeit in St. Louis because they must have dudes – they must have dudes just waiting because yeah. they know what they're going to try to do. So I, you know, they, they probably have some triple a guys just hanging out in St. Louis yeah. waiting to see what's going to happen and whether they're going to be on the big league club tonight. I mean, I don't know. Do we still have PJ Higgins? Or yeah. PJ Higgins, Higgins is still around. He actually, I, I swear to God, I thought he hurt himself playing the field um, in that giant series. I think it was Sunday night baseball. He ran into the camera well and like slammed the side, like the inside of his leg into the camera well and was laying on the ground for a while. He stayed in the game, but I was like, great. The third string catcher got hurt date, like literal hours before the trade deadline. That's a, that's a brilliant sign for the Chicago Cubs. I want to go to the human side of baseball for just one second, because there's a tweet up right now that honestly, baseball fans, y'all need to be better people. Uh, there's this question and answer with Joey Gallo that a Yankees fan posted. He's at playoff Tanaka with an underscore after Tanaka. And Joey Gallo talks about how he literally doesn't even go out in New York because he's so embarrassed to see, to show his face in New York after the way he's been treated by fans and that like other teams are trying to support him and like whatnot. And look, I get it, Yankees fans. Like, you're not happy with the Joey Gallo trade. And also, I hope to God the Yankees trade him to someone else and just get him out of that city because, frankly, I can't imagine a worse place to try to break out of a slump than New York City where everybody's telling you how much they hate you every single day. This is awful. This is a terrible thing, and I feel bad for Joey Gallo. And send him somewhere where he can play baseball and enjoy it again because this is trash. Yeah. No, New York's a, what a, I mean, I lived there for a long time. It'll, it'll beat you down. That's for sure. Uh, you know, but yeah, New Yorkers, come on guys, you know, but Yankee fans are the worst. I mean, I was at a Yankees game and the Cubs were in last place. It was like 2013. Like we went to the 2013, 24, maybe it was 14. It was 2014. And I go to the game sitting in the upper deck. It's freezing cold. The Cubs did not score a single run all day during a doubleheader. Not a single run. And they got shut out twice in the in the same day. And I'm sitting there and like the and I'm sitting there with a Cubs hat. It's freezing cold. It's April game. And these dudes just turn around and start booing me out of the blue, like for no reason, just because I had a Cubs hat on. I was like, 
I was like, and I, I just, you know, gave him the, the old David Ross double bird and like, you know, called it a day, but it was like, you know, the, these guys, I mean, they would boo their own grandmother. It's like, they're just, it's like Philadelphia fans. Like they just think it's funny and they just go in there to like, and it's flocks of men. It's almost always men. And they just, they're just violent and they're um, mean for no reason. And it's just like every, they're like, they're almost like, you know, capital rioters or something, you know, it's like, it's the same mindset of just this like toxic male energy that floats around. And now it's on Twitter and it's like on the streets and like, you're, you know, Joe, poor Joey Gallo. It's just like, why would you do this? Like, how is this helping? How is this helping? It's definitely not helping. Um, breaking news at the moment. Uh, John Morosi of MLB Network says that he is very confident Juan Soto will be traded today. If that is the case, as a reminder, the, the last three teams standing in the Juan Soto sweepstakes were the Dodgers, the Padres, and the Cardinals. Uh, at least one of those teams directly impacts what the Cubs do next. Um, the Padres are their best landing spot for Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ. So if the Pod, I, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident that if the Padres were to trade for Juan Soto, they will not have the pieces left to do a big deal for like a Contreras Robertson hat package. Um, they might still be able to like hold out, like say a Campusano or something out of the Soto trade and, and still do a deal for Contreras. But I, I don't think they could do that big deal. Um, maybe that means that, you know, if they move for Soto, Hap stays with the Cubs. I did see at least one person non-jokingly say last night that Ian Hap was the backup plan for Juan Soto, and I just laughed. I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> what the Cubs have been doing for the last five years. Ian Hap is our backup plan for Juan Soto. Yeah, Ian Hap's just the poor man's Juan Soto. That's all. <laughs> oh, God. Uh... So let's talk a little bit about this upcoming series. We have no idea who's going to be on the Cubs when this series happens. And, and like we said, it, it could go down to the wire. If anything happens in the next few minutes while we're still recording, we'll absolutely talk about it here. If anything big happens later today, we might jump on for an emergency pod and, and, and release it uh, as well. Um, we will definitely get you some, some trade deadline breakdown later this week, though. But Danny, the Cubs are headed to St. Louis. The Cardinals are trying to win. They're potentially trading for the greatest generational baseball talent uh, that's ever been available at the trade deadline. And, and the Cubs are not. It's hard to be anything but depressed about this Cubs-Cardinals matchup right at the trade deadline. Yeah, it's not looking good. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we got, uh, I think, Wainwright. Uh, Michaelis is going to pitch for them, and then TBD, which I bet you will be Quintana, who will probably no hit us. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, I mean the Cardinals—they're going for it, and um, we're just not. And so it's just—it's just really frustrating. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'm in this place where I mean the Cubs haven't even asked us to be patient, so I won't be. Remember before they asked us to be patient and I just, I agreed to do that. And this time they're not even asking. They're just like, yeah, we're just going to like give you this really crappy baseball product. And we're going to charge you a lot of money for beer and tickets and you're going to like it and you're going to watch it every day and you're going to care. And, you, you know, I'm like, actually, no, I don't have to. I don't have to care about any of this because you didn't give me anything to care about. So it's just like I feel taken advantage of. And it's like right in our face when we go play the Cardinals who we're just going to let the Cardinals or Brewers have the division like, by the way, we've pretty much done all decade anyway, except for, for the uh, few years that the Cubs managed to win it. Um, th that was it. You know, you got the 15, 15, you win the, you, you didn't take the division 16 and 17 you do. And then that was it. 
Yeah. That was it. You, you won the division twice in in a decade. Congratulations. Here's your freaking consolation prize. Like, you, oh no, three times because 2020. <laughs> so yeah, I'm don't sorry. forget 2020. 2020, the 60 game season that never was. The, the season yeah. that I love it. My favorite thing about the 2020 season, and by favorite, I mean definitely least favorite thing, is the people who come into my mentions every time I'm like, yo, remember the time that the Cubs let Kyle Schwarber walk for nothing? That was super smart. Kyle Schwarber, I think, has 33 or 34 home runs. As I'm as I'm saying this right now, maybe even more. I don't know, Danny. Look up how many home runs Kyle Schwarber has at this moment in time because I, I I've lost track. Uh, more than anybody on our team. That's more than anybody in the sure. National League, uh, honestly. But the Cubs let him walk over nothing, and and the dude bros come in all the time, say, "Well, he was terrible in 2020." I'm like, it was 60 games, you fools. Like nobody makes any decisions on 60 games except the Cubs, apparently, who really <laughs> needed to pay 1.5 million dollars by letting the best slugger in the NL walk. He he went in, in 2020. Uh, he yeah he had a, a, his worst year of his career. Yet in 2019 he had an 871 OPS and he hit 38 home runs. And then in 2020 he didn't do that because everything was awful. And then in 2021 he he gets back to his all star form as an is the highest OPS of his life playing for DC and. For Boston, ends up with a 928 OPS and 32 home runs on the year. And this year, he's he's leading the National League with 33. So yeah, and, and, and so we're going to cry over this spilt milk this entire time. And it's just like we could have been going the other way. And he didn't, you know, these guys they didn't extend a single one of them. They didn't even get anything in the trade for Kyle Schwarber. I mean, I'm just looking at this front office and I'm like, why are we trusting these guys? Like, we have not seen any results. And we're a big market team. Like I, it's you're. There's maybe blame at the budget level, and there's you know probably quite a bit of blame at the. I mean, we're becoming the Rays, like at best, who compete with guys you never heard of. I am, you know, I don't want to be a fan of the Rays, and like I, I I'm going to be very deliberate about this. I actually think I wrote this piece last year during the offseason and I, I, I or might might have been during the postseason but the Cubs weren't playing so I kind of considered it the offseason but look the Tampa Bay Rays are an excellent baseball organization they do a very good job of finding ways to win with guys you've never heard of and trading in and out players so that a 28 year old becomes two 26 year olds and they have those 26 year olds for longer and the 26 year olds war roughly equals out the 28 year olds war and they paid them less money and da, 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 da. And it's some accounting tricks and some clever consulting and, and the Rays win baseball games. And I want to cheer for players and I want to be able to fall in love with players. And I want to be able to dream on the Cubs extending my favorite players. And I gotta be honest, if this Cubs front office thinks that the way that you win baseball games right now is to be more like the Rays and they're just going to be really good accountants and fans are going to show up to like buy jerseys at Wrigley Field. I think they're wrong. Like I will never buy a jersey until this team extends another player. Like I I am, I'm not falling in love with Christopher Morrell, not falling in love with Nico Horner. I'm not falling in love with Seiya Suzuki. I don't want players to be here for four years and bounce. I want players to have the chance of being a cub for life. And if this front office isn't interested in that, then I am going to have to find another team, which is why I'm going with Wilson Contreras. I could tell you one jersey that's not going to be flying off the racks is that Wesneski jersey <laughs> from the Scott Frost trade. You know, even if he is good, I don't see a lot of people. Uh, like, I can't, you can't get a jersey if you can't pronounce the name. That just should be the rule. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of jerseys out there that would be problematic if you if you got to be able to pronounce the names. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Maybe we'll do that one in the off season. I mean, Danny, we're coming up on time here. We're going to watch these Cardinals games. I think the, it, the the remnants of the Chicago Cubs will probably get crushed in this series. I don't know if people remember what happened after the trade deadline last year. Didn't the Cubs lose like 13 games in a row or something? I mean, it was yeah, real, yeah. real oh, yeah. bad uh, right in the aftermath, and I'm fully preparing myself for that again. I We have no idea where Wilson Contreras is going to go, if Ian Happ is going to go, where David Robertson is going to go, where Michael Givens is going to go. We just know that the Cubs are going to trade them for spare parts as soon as the Soto market unstalls and they can do that. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I have any tears left in me. Those tears were last week, but I'm just pretty, pretty disheartened by the Chicago Cubs. And I would like to thank Jed Hoyer for just taking my heart and stomping on it. Yeah, no, it really stinks. And you know, the only thing that maybe could, I mean, I'd be shocked if this happened, uh, at this point, uh, considering that they have not engaged with Wilson apparently since 2017, but if there really just is not a good enough market for him out there, I mean, it's possible that you could just like end up doing the, let him play out his days in Chicago and then take that qualifying offer if, or do that qualifying offer thing where you, then you get, um, at least something like if you can, if they're only going to give away like a young prospect, like you kind of get that from a qualifying offer be situation because you get at least that draft pick. If that's what you're going to trade for, why not as well just keep them around and maybe you have a better chance at extending them. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's either not doing that, but you know, just holding that hope. I've got a few hours to dream on it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your hope. I don't think they're going to do that either. I mean, I Cubs fans, we will be back when there's some resolution to this market. We'll let you know what we think about the deals that the Cubs have done when they get to real deals. Um, I'll be writing about it over at bleed cubby blue. You can follow my work at at BCB underscore Sarah, uh, Danny, where can people find you and, and your takes on trade deadline day? Yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Sunranto. That's Ron Santa with the R and S switched. Son Ranto on your oh. radio dial. <laughs> Ron Santo, one of those players who was with a Cub for most of his career. Um, admittedly, that was before all the reserve clause stuff and all that jazz. So I, you know, Ron Santo probably should have made a lot of money. Can you believe he was on the freaking White Sox for a year? Yeah, it's just it's sad, man. Sad. Yeah. How did they let that happen? Um, they were channeling their inner Jed Hoyer uh, and they decided <laughs> that that was that was the most cost cutting advantageous thing to do. Uh, we will have all of our takes on Jed Hoyer's cost cutting um, after the trade deadline resolves itself. Until then, talk to you next time.